you have your Bibles, I want you to look at Joshua chapter 1. I want to talk to you really about the imperative that's not probably mentioned to you, the command that God gives. I think really what I want to do with this particular passage is walk backwards in it. I would title it The Command for Courage. I think in times like these, we would see that we need to have this element of courage, not saying that somebody perhaps doesn't have it, but you can see whether a person has this thing or not. I was able to watch a couple of movies recently. They're war movies. Don't normally watch them. But both of them reminded me that there are men that have courage through difficult times. Uh, I would like to actually understand this passage from the text verse or the verse that we're using that we all read, the main verse, the key verse, verse number 9, then walk backwards with it. But the setup, uh, the foundation for this passage would take me a long time. But many of you know that Moses was now dead. And God was shifting the attention now to uh, the next generation that the baton was handed. He was doing what he could do and ministering unto Moses, but now Joshua was taking over. And I think it's important for us to know that there is always going to be the work of God, but men are going to shift. They're going to leave, and then there's going to be God's work continuing on. Perhaps there are going to be older men that will train younger men to be able to do the work of the ministry. But God wanted to convey to, to Joshua that he had a desire to use him and use him in a great way, but he wanted to do this with a thing called courage. And so he was going to communicate that to him by meeting to him and giving him the instruction. And so I want to jump right into it, if I can, because of the sake of time. And uh, I look at, look at verse number 9, if you would, because this is where I draw this from. We usually read verse number 8. We never really read verse number 9 very well. Or we, didn't, we don't read with emphasis. But he begins verse number 9 by saying, Have not I commanded thee? And I think really if we were to stop there, we would we'd see that this was uh, a question that God is giving to, to Joshua. Have I not commanded thee. Have I not commanded you? And so right away we're seeing that God is conveying to him, look who's giving you this command. Look who's conveying this to you. It is the God of heaven. It is the God that created everything and he is in charge of everything. He sustains all things. Everything right now is in God's hands. I was impressed by one of the NBA owners yesterday as he was speaking a little bit on the radio and the TV, and how he was conveying to it. And at the end of his little speech, he said, but we all know that the Lord is in charge. When I heard that, my, my ears were perked a little bit more. Because to have somebody who's really wealthy, somebody who's really well-known, to be able to say that the Lord is in charge, I think conveys really uh, his understanding and his submission. But I think it's important for us to understand that that's the first uh, sentence, if you would. It is a question and he is, it's an interrogative question saying, you know, have, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, and neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And so if we're going to look at this 
thing of courage, I want to maybe if I give you some points today, the first one would be the command for courage to be strong, be strong and of good courage. I think it's interesting as we work backwards in this that we must explain the word courage. First of all, the word courage really is uh, the word bravery. Um, the 1828 uh, dictionary, um, Webster goes on to say that it is the quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without the fear of depression of spirits. And I think that when we are entering into uh, a crisis and a difficulty, that sometimes Satan can whisper to us, that it's going to go longer than you think it's going to. Sometimes when we go through difficulties, we think that they're permanent, that things are never going to get better. And Satan likes to make us feel that way, that you're never going to be able to come out of this difficulty you're in. But I I want to share with you that God does move in mysterious ways. He does move us in and out of difficulties. He does move us in and out of difficulties. Personally, yes, but sometimes corporately. Sometimes as a church we have difficulties and we mourn and we seek the Lord over it. Sometimes we have problems as a state. And I've been living in this state since 1961. I was born here, was born right here in Madison, Wisconsin. And I've seen our state go through difficult times, especially in the 60s and sometimes in the 80s. But I think that maybe this state may be going through some more difficult times coming ahead. I don't know whether it's financial problems or illnesses like we have. Sometimes this nation has gone through difficult times, but God seemed to always raise up some men of courage, some men that would actually stand up and do what is right, even though maybe perhaps he doesn't feel like he can do it. God gives him that strength. This morning we were in class and I I wrote a few things down. I think it was interesting because we were talking about a living stone and his incredible perseverance and how he was able to clear away paths and Make, make roads and stuff in Africa, and how he was a great missionary, and uh, he only lived, uh, in fact, he, he uh, I believe, was called at the age of 24, and then, of course, went on, and, and I think he only lived uh, um, maybe 60 years or so. And it, but it was interesting because I found out that he, he really had this desire to identify in Christ, and I think if we're looking for direction, through difficulties, we must identify in Christ, first of all. Are you in Christ this morning? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Isn't that the most important thing? I'm not talking about, do you know your, 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 your religious speech, or your doctrine, or your creeds? Do You may know those, but are you in Christ is really the answer, and really the question to this identity that I identify first in Christ, and you will not have any direction in your life that's really meaningful, unless you are in Christ. That's where your identity comes, in Him. I'm in Christ. It's amazing, because we're going through Philippians in our, in, in our, in our class, and, and reading up on it a little bit more, and getting ready for to teach it coming up and, in our Bible Institute. And, and I saw that there are 18 different times the word Christ is mentioned in the first chapter of Philippians. It is Christ that is necessary for us to be focusing upon, especially in a crisis. Direction comes through identity. Direction comes through yielding. Until you identify that you're in Christ, now it's time to yield to Him. You may know that you're in Christ, and today you say, I'm in Christ, but I I must yield to Him then. 
must say, Lord, this is not my life, it is your life. You present your bodies a living sacrifice to him. Let me tell you something, you'll be most miserable if you do not yield to him. You'll be frustrated. You'll be trying to do your own thing. You'll say, I got to do this, I got to do this, and I got to do this. Let God do it. Yield to him. His way is far better. Direction comes when we identify in Christ, when we yield to him. Most of all, when we implement it, or we're obedient to it. And so here we see that there is this great need that Joshua has to lead and to take the mantle, if you would, and run with it. But he is needed this thing called courage. And I think in verse number 7, only be thou strong and, of, and very courageous. And so there is that, uh, that word very in front of the word courageous. So be super courageous. Above your peers. Be stronger than the guy next to you because you're going to need that strength. Be, be more courage. Uh, maybe more encouraging uh, or encouraging to others because they need you to be strong. And so this is actually the comments that are being made here toward him. So the command for courage, be strong and of good courage. Courage is bravery. Good courage, of course, I really believe rests on Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to know that everything else that we do Rest upon him. I make decisions based upon him. I make my future plans on him, not my own desires. And sometimes I go on trips and sometimes I do things, but is it something that God wants me to do? I think it's important for us to remember that this courage that we're talking about, this ability to continue on, the courage to to bear my own burdens, to be able to take the difficulties of life and carry them, I must have courage. Not only to be able to, to bear things, but also when it comes to forbearing things and forbearing others, I must have courage to be able to do that. I must be able to stand and sometimes confront and to work through things in my own life personally with other people. But I must have God's courage to do that. One of the commentators that I enjoy reading is Alexander McLarion. McLarion is the way he spells it. And he goes on to write this, Courage that does not rest on Christ's presence is audacity rather than courage. And it is sure to collapse like a pricked container when the sharp point of a real peril comes in contact with it. And if we sit down and reckon the forces that we have to oppose to the foes that we are sure to meet, we shall find ourselves unequal to fight. And if we are wise, we shall send ambassage of a humble desire to the great king, who will come to our help with all conquering powers, then and only then shall we be safe in saying, I will not fear what man can do unto me, or devils either, or demons. When we have said, in God I have put my trust, and I have heard him answering, I will not fail you, and I will not forsake you, I will give unto you what you need to continue on. And I will give you the courage. And in your weakness, you will be strong. Because I am God. Have not I commanded thee? 
be strong and of good courage. I think it's important for us to understand that through these times, God desires for some to stand up front and say, I will do that which God wants me to do, but I will use his courage, and it will be a good courage, one that is right and decent. But I think the first point here, that the command for courage is absolutely necessary, but I want to talk to you about the source of his courage. Let's back it up now. We're in verse number 9. Let's go back up to verse number 8. Because we are going to read here, really, I believe, the source of courage and the source of your courage and the source of good courage. And if you read along with me in your Bibles, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Let me explain this verse just a little bit. Our courage comes from God. David knew this in 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-three: For God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way We must draw from this understanding that our strength comes from above. And I'm thinking about how that Scripture really and the Bible are one and the same. And when we're looking at this verse, we see several things. But I think, first of all, we need to be people that are going to speak it. Look what it says. This book shall not depart out of thy mouth. It seems like what he's talking about here is a companionship with Scripture. Do you have a companionship with Scripture? Do you? It's a question we should ask. If we're Christians, we must love the Bible. It is what's going to help us to have the courage that God desires for us to have. You show me a man who's far from his Bible, I'll show you a man who's frustrated. I'll show you a man who can't do anything, really, because he wants to draw back and he he can't go forward. And God wants his believers to, to move forward, especially now. And by the way, my my little take on this coronavirus, this is nothing compared to what we're going to see in the future. I'd I'd hate to to kind of disrupt your activity a little bit in this world, but you know what? The whole world crisis right now is just the beginning. It's part of the birth pangs, you know. And you women that have given birth, you know what I'm talking about. Because they come like, oh, you know. Later on they come like, ah, you know. So we're entering into this. And I'm trying to spook you. I'm trying to tell you something, I'm trying to warn you. You know, the American dream may come to an end for you and for me. And so what are we going to do? We're going to trust the Lord. And we're going to lean upon him. And we're going to continue on to do what he desires for us to do. But I think it's important for us to have a companionship with the Word of God. We need to open our mouths and speak it. I love it when I can say a verse to somebody. I love it when I can sing something that actually has verses in it. I I like that. Because I think it's the scriptures that give us the strength. Psalm 91.10 says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. And I really believe that if we memorize the scriptures and we allow the scriptures, even if it's a simple verse like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the word of God. And we ought to speak it. And I think it's important for us to know that that's where our courage is going to come from, from the word of God. I think we're supposed to speak it, but we're also supposed to meditate upon it. Look what it says. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. It's interesting when we think about this day and night. And sometimes we take the scriptures and we read all the way through, and maybe you're doing that, and that's wonderful that you do that. Maybe you read a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night. But maybe take a side and write down a verse and then meditate upon that verse. Chew on it. Take time to be able to just focus on it. I looked up the word meditate. In the Webster, 1828, it says to dwell on anything in thought. To dwell on something in thought. To contemplate. Do you contemplate the word of God? Do you read it and really meditate upon it? What is God really saying in this passage? I did that in verse number 9. And I was trying to figure out what he's saying here in verse number 9, verse no, the first part where I says, I have, have not I commanded thee. I, th- I thought, what is that talking about? Have I not commanded thee to be strong and good courage? Or is he saying, here's the law that's written. Uh, have I not commanded you to read this law? What is he saying? And when I meditate upon the word of God, I come to the conclusion that what he's saying here is, I have commanded you both to know the word of God, but then to be strong and of good courage. As an imperative, as a desire that he has from heaven for us to continue to do his will. Speak it, meditate upon it, and then do it. Look what it says in the verse again. It says in verse number 8, that thou shalt meditate therein in night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It's like the prerequisite to the rest of the verse. Because then he uses the word then. You can circle it twice. So if you do this, these three things, speak it, meditate upon it, do it, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. We were talking about this on at, at Friday night. Brother Craig did a great job. He was getting me motivated. He's up there just showing these guys that there's nothing better to help them than the word of God. Oh, that we would have a companion of his word, that we would hold it close to us, that we would maybe take a New Testament with us to work or place it in our our offices and so we have the word of God there. And if you don't do it, you can have it on your tablet, but make sure you look to it. Make sure you look look up the verses and meditate upon those verses. It'll help you through this time. I'm almost done. It's interesting when we're thinking about these things, but it helps us to to know that God is happy and pleased with us. If we have good courage, the command for courage, but the source of our courage is going to be being in Christ and knowing the word of God, because this is what God said. And when something comes to you that's not the word of God, you see, you identify and say, wait a minute, that's not not in the word of God. Help me to, to do your will, Father. In closing... I think it's important for us to understand a little bit more, but I, I'm going to go ahead and give you a quote that was given to me from a commentator from a long time ago concerning the scriptures before I move on. Let me just read it to you. Think about it. When it comes to the scriptures, the commentator wrote, Take it 
and it shall be thy food. Live upon it. Carry it as a torch, and it will illumine thy pathway in the thickest darkness. In the vigor of thy manhood, it shall be thy wand of truth to scatter doubts and error from before thee. And it shall be a staff to sustain thee. In the decrepit age. That's very relevant for us, isn't it? To take the word of God in this age. Because it will be the staff that will sustain us through difficult times. And then lastly, the result of good courage. I see this in backing up a little further in verse number 5. If you have your Bibles, look there. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Maybe you're thinking as you're hearing this, well, that's for a different dispensation, and that's for Joshua. Can I share with you that you can claim this verse also? Isn't that good news? Because it's mentioned in the New Testament also that we can understand that he will never leave us or forsake us. And so when he's talking about this result of good courage, he is saying that no one will successfully overcome you. Did you realize that in Christ you're invincible? Did you realize that? That you will never lose in Christ. You say, well, I might might get sick and die. Well, you gain then because you gain heaven. You say, well, I, I might get run over by a car or something. Well, if that happens, then God allowed that to happen, and perhaps you'd be there in the pearly gates, and you'd be with the Lord, and you'd be able to be there forever with him and comfortable with him, and you wouldn't even want to come back. You know what happens with people? They become so feeble because they're placing themselves in charge rather than letting God be in charge. He is the God of all things. He is above all, in all, through all. He says, I will be with you. He says also in this verse, I will not fail you. Have people failed you? He never will. He will never. Jesus never fails. Right? We sing it, but it's true. I will not forsake you. I thought it was interesting as we think about this because there are some verses that remind us of this truth. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom glory Forever, be forever and ever. Amen. The fear of the Lord tends to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied, and he shall not be visited with evil. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, 
saith the Lord. God is my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior, my safest. God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. It's interesting as we're thinking about this, because I must end with the New Testament. If you turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, and let's read verse number 6, and I want you to look at these verses in closing because I want you to know that your courage to do what God wants you to do is available to you. But one of the things that we need to do is, in order to have this courage, I must trust his promises. I must trust his word. You know, I was reading this week in my uh, studies, I had to read six chapters of a book concerning counseling and the counselor and, and how that the counselor must be somebody who knows the scriptures. He must know the word of God. He must be able to use it. And uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more tonight and how to help somebody permanently change. I really believe that they can permanently change. You desire to live a different kind of life. You desire to do what God wants you to do instead of what you've been doing all of these years. God will help you to do what is right. He will give you the courage to do it and the power to do it. Look what it says in verse number number five. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Talking about your conduct, the way you are, the way you respond. You know, Americans are just really spoiled brats. And and I'm not trying to be mean, but we are just, we we have just way, way, way too much. You ever see a child with too much? Guess what? We become that. We become that. Let our conduct and our conversation be without covetousness and be content with what things that you have For he has said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. So that we may say boldly, or boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So there is this understanding that God will help you to be strong if we remember that he is in charge. I want you to look at this from a viewpoint of Adam Clark, because he actually wrote concerning this verse. And I want you to to listen to this. It says, there are no less than five negatives in verse number five. It is a short sentence, but it has five negatives. And these connected with two verbs and one pronoun twice repeated. And it's done this way to give a literal translation, if possible, For us to be able to run this way, no, and by the way, he wants to maybe show us how it should read if you're just reading it and explaining it. 
It says, no, I will not leave thee. No, neither I not utterly forsake thee. And so those who understand the geniusness of the Greek language and look at the manner in which these negatives are placed in the sentence, we will perceive at once how much the meaning is strengthened by them and to what an emphatic and energetic affirmative that is placed here. This promise is made to those who are patiently bearing affliction or persecution for Christ's sake. It may be applied to any faithful soul in affliction or temptation or adversity of any kind. It doesn't say the coronavirus, but I think you could place it there. It'll just remind you that even through this, God will give you strength. And so why would we be afraid? He goes on to say, trust in the Lord with thy whole heart and never leave to thine own understanding. For he said, no, I will never leave thee. I will never cast thee off. I don't know how long it's been since you put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone. It may have been just last month. It may, like me, have been 51 years ago. I don't know how long you've been trusting Jesus as your Savior, but you know, when you made that commitment to come to him, he will never cast you away. He has saved you forever. Now, what I believe happens if Christians do not obey God, that they can actually go to an early grave. So it is a choice that you have. You can live long and God will give you a success and God will give you a prosperous way if we would trust him. We can't be afraid of everything. We need to be strong and courageous. And I, I feel like this is a message from God to you and to our church that you don't have to worry about the person next to you thinking that they need it because you need it and I need it. And when God was speaking to me in this particular portion of Scripture, I knew I needed it. And maybe you're here today and you've been very weak spiritually. Step up to the plate, dear friend, because I believe your identity needs to be in Christ completely. Then there's a yielding, and then there's an obedience. You step out, and God will give you the next step. You say, well, I want to wait till it's all planned out. You're going to wait a long, long time. Because a self-made man will worship himself. But a God-submitted man will worship God. And give it to him. Have you given him your heart? Have you said, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I agree with you that I am. I'm basically saying what you have already said in your word, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have you done that? That's the first step. And then just simply say, Lord, would you forgive me of these sins? And would you cleanse my heart and wash me with thy blood? And I open my heart to you. Will you come in and abide with me? He is waiting now and he is knocking. Will you open the door? He'll come in. And then he will give you a peace, even through difficulties. He wants to give you that today. Would you have the courage to do that? I hope you would. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. You're sitting here this morning and it's not even noon. Maybe, maybe your heart has been moved by God. 
and his spirit was working in you and you say, Pastor, I need to make that decision today. I need to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. And maybe right now you just lift your hand. You'd say, Pastor, I, I know I'm not saved. I, I haven't made this decision yet to open my heart and let Jesus in. It's been so full of me all these years. But now I'm opening the door. Maybe that's you. Maybe God desires to come into you and abide in you. And maybe that would happen this morning. And you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Because I need Jesus. I want to open up my heart today to him. No one's looking around, but maybe just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? This message was for me. I need Jesus. Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? Lift up your hand and put it back down if that's you. And dear Christian, this message was for you. Maybe you'd say, I've been weak. I've been bulimic. My faith is not weak, not strong. It's weak. And you say, Pastor, I needed that message. I just need to come and I just need to submit to God. I identify in him, but now I want to submit to him and I want to, I want to obey him. And why don't you come? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand where you are this morning? Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's have an invitation. If you need to come for any reason at all, you come. This is an old-fashioned altar. Come. Use it. Talk to you. Whatever you need, why don't you come? If you just need to come and pray, you can do that. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide now in the invitation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.